This paid program may not represent the views of Hubbard Broadcasting Incorporated or Federal News Network. Statements and opinions of this broadcast are solely those of individual contributors or advertisers as indicated. Federal News Network does not take responsibility for those statements or opinions and accepts no responsibility or liability for any inaccuracy, errors, or omissions reported during this program. Welcome to the 2019 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 14 years. Today's episode brings you cybersecurity strategies in government. Here's your host, Luke McCormack. Good afternoon and welcome to this month's show. I'm Luke McCormack. During today's show, we will discuss critical issues facing government and industry leaders with their cybersecurity strategies and solutions. With me on today's show are Donald Heckman, Principal Director of for Cybersecurity Department of Defense, Brigadier General Buckner, Director of Cyber U.S. Army G357, Rear Admiral Barrett, Navy Cybersecurity Division Director, Ralph Kahn, Vice President, Federal Tanium, John Davis, Vice President and Chief Security Officer, Palo Alto Networks Public Sector, and Aubrey Merchant, Dest, Chief Technology Officer, Cyber Semantic Federal. Well, I had a chance to take a look at the National Defense Strategy, and I couldn't help but notice the first objective, first and foremost, defending the homeland from attack. Big subject. And of course, one of the strategic pr approaches, building out cyber capabilities. And I, I saw uh, the DOD CIO's got four priorities, cloud C3I, AI and cyber, and boy, is there a really a nexus between that AI and cyber these days. I was out at the, the floor at CES, and there are thousands of devices out there, and, and uh, it just sort of dawned on me that, boy, this is a lot of intelligent software that's wrapped around with some hardware. Right, I mean, that's really what you're starting to see now. And uh, you know, that commercial capability is starting to creep its way into the defense industrial base. We all read the stories about the, uh, the, uh, the um, service members that were out there uh, jogging and you know, their Fitbits are getting tracked, et cetera. Uh, so welcome to 2019, right? Uh, <clears throat> so let's start with, uh, with you, Don. Uh, can you um, uh, give us some examples of uh, uh, where you're making some progress with cybersecurity initiatives uh, at the agency, sort of at the department level, sort of top line here. Okay, so, um, you know, I think uh, we've done um, some good um, foundational work in getting uh, kind of baseline, I'll say, cyber hygiene in place. Uh, you know, if you look Super at important. what we've done with um, our initial uh, kind of uh, scorecard that we've been tracking, uh, we've, we've done very good in that. Uh, so what we're looking to do now is, is go to the next um, step and, and really looking at some advanced capabilities, I'll say, like comply to connect. Uh, you know, so uh, advanced identity credential and access management so that uh, we know who's on our network, we know what state they're in, we know what accesses they have, we can, uh, you know, have strong access controls to the data and information that they, they have access to. Um, so I would say some, those are some of our, our key things we're focused on, along with um, our cyber workforce. Uh, one of our key things we've just put in place is our uh, cyber accepted workforce so that we can attract and, retrain and, and retain, you know, uh, a uh, high uh, quality workforce uh, to help us with our uh, cyber security challenges. High caliber workforce super important in that basic high brain, so that, that blocking and tackling and being able to just 
have that embedded into the fabric is important. Why I, when I think of the Army, I think of all these IoT devices and embedded systems and can't imagine what uh, you're going through there. Uh, General Buckner, can you just give us a state of the state as to where you, you all are in uh, addressing your cyber challenges these days? Well, I'd jump on uh, Don's comments, uh, particularly about the DOD CIO's leadership, because I really think we're seeing some unprecedented cooperation uh, and sharing across the Department of Defense and across the services, so that we um, are all sharing best practices uh, and implementing new technologies quickly, because again, we can take advantage of uh, how we're all doing it across the services. Uh, likewise, evaluating cybersecurity uh, across all of our installations, critical infrastructure, as well as our weapons platforms and capabilities. Um, certainly, we're taking a hard look at all of the uh, procurement uh, systems that we have uh, for programs that are future requirements currently in production and those legacy uh, production processes. Uh, I think we have two major efforts on the part of the network, uh, both taking advantage of enterprise network uh, commercial solutions, as well as then focusing our efforts on what we do uniquely, and that is deliver communications uh, to our tactical force. And then finally, I'd also jump on uh, Don's comments about uh, cyber talent. That remains a the number one priority for all of us, uh, and some fantastic initiatives um, across the military, and particularly the Army, in the way that changing the way we're doing business, and that we are able to bring on not only civilians, but also our military forces, you know, we had the high school to flight school. Now we have high school to cyber warrior. And we have some really unique uh, tools to assess not skills, but aptitude. And certainly one of the things that we do well in the military is train. Uh, so we have a lot of, uh, of different ways to come into the military um, and deliver cyber training to this workforce. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly glad to see that the workforce, uh, you know, uh, uh, gap, if you will, is, is a big deal. And I remember uh, also, uh, a lot of these uh, these legacy systems really uh, a real challenge to try to uh, to keep the the basic cyber hygiene in place. Uh, John, you've been working over there at Palo Alto for a while. You guys are a major force in this community. Uh, tell us what you're seeing out there in regards to sort of the state of the state these days. Yeah, thanks, Luke. I uh, recently had the honor to testify before the Cybersecurity Subcommittee of the Senate Armed Services Committee. And the topic was, how can DOD better leverage innovation out in industry to improve the cybersecurity posture of the department? And what's going on from my perspective out in industry, uh, from an innovation perspective, is the use of software-based advanced analytics, like machine learning and AI, uh, automation, and purpose-built packages of seamlessly integrated technical capabilities. And what this enables you to do is to have consistent and continuous visibility across your enterprise environment, from your network to cloud environments, to your endpoints, and even to operational capabilities that are connected to the networks. It also allows you to deliver automated protections across that same environment. So my advice to Congress, and it would be uh, not just uh, pertinent to DOD, but across the, the federal government would be, we need to bring software to a software fight. Uh, in order to better uh, change the balance between offense and defense. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's just, there, there's just no way to manage uh, these environments without using some level of automation. And now the sophistication with AI is incredible what's going on there. Uh, Rear Admiral Barrett, I, I think about uh, my time at the 
Homeland Security and working with the Coast Guard and some of those embedded environments out there. And I know you have this 100X. Um, uh, tell us about the challenges and uh, what's going on in the Navy in regards to you know, having to, to manage that type of environment from a cyber perspective. Yeah, thanks for letting us tell our story today. Um, in lines with what these guys say, too, we're all kind of marching along the same path here. One of the I big, think we all feel good about yeah, that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> no, no big uh, surprise here. Um, but uh, one of the projects we've worked really hard last year is what we call Compile to Combat in 24 Hours. And what that does is it addresses the fundamental um, uh, challenges in an architecture that is legacy, that is hodgepodge together, that relies on big old applications that have a lot of inherent cybersecurity vulnerabilities. And so we're fundamentally changing both the transport, how we move information around, and the data. And so under Compile to Combat, there's four key pillars that we're going after to address cybersecurity specifically in addition to the overall improvement of how information flows. One is data standardization. So by standardizing an XML, for example, we can use the inherent protocols of protecting at the lowest layer of the data. So you can tag data for protection and to move it smartly. Uh, the second piece is to use shared infrastructure. If I'm not putting a bunch of new servers on ships every time I want to put an application out and I use shared infrastructure, I can reduce my attack surface mm -hmm. and, and monitor that better, right? Um, and then we are using a um, process uh, called Secure DevOps, as you're probably aware of, um, uh, Sec DevOps, where we're developing in a new way now. Again, breaking down those big monolithic applications to something similar you would see on your smartphone. Smaller snippets of applications where there's less risk to deploy them, but then you have a more controlled development environment. And so you can monitor the cybersecurity better and you can do your security accreditation within 24 hours. So we revised our processes if you develop in this model, we've gone from 18 months to 24 hours to get your approval for your security, uh, your RMF, we call it risk management framework, your security creation to put that software on the ship. And then lastly, in accordance with what Mr. DZ is looking for, the DOD CIO, we're pushing the fourth pillar is use of the commercial cloud. So that secure DevOps environment is in the commercial cloud from start to finish. We're using best practices that the industry's using and shedding some of the Navy unique snowflake things that we thought we needed to do that we don't. We can do what industry does, we'll be fine. You know? And so those have been our biggest pushes. So that compiled to combat was actually tested from start to finish within eight months of starting application reform on five applications to deploying it on a ship and testing it, and it successfully worked with all those pillars. So now we're moving out for the rest of the enterprise to do the same. That's incredible, and it's uh, refreshing to hear that. Uh, I know it's always been a challenge with those big monolithic environments, and being able to break that down, use DevSecOps, embed that security into these environments, and I, I think we all realize that you know, the way to goodness is to modernize our way out of this environment. Well, Ralph, uh, you know, Tanium comes on the scene. We were out there taking a look at that technology three or four years ago, and it was just sort of a little bit out of the Petri dish. Came on by force, and um, you guys are doing some great stuff. Tell us what's happening at Tanium and how you're helping this community keep themselves secure. Sure. Um, so I want to go back to something Don said, and I want to dig a, a little deeper. Um, the, the CIO has done some pretty amazing things um, in the last year or two. And one of the, the it, I, I characterize it as kind of like a rebaselining. So there was lots of heterogeneous data out there. A lot of it wasn't consistent. A lot of it wasn't accurate. And there's been a huge push to get a handle on what data do we have? What are we managing? How is it configured? How is it compliant? There's been huge success on that. Uh, and success can be measured a lot of ways. The data is better. Um, but the data is coming in with more frequency, right? It used to be CCRIs were done annually, and uh, I'd hate to say it, but 
passing was the exception, not the rule. And, and these days, um, CCRIs could probably be done daily or weekly, and passing is the rule. Uh, it's very rare that um, CCRIs uh, should be failed, given the work that all the services and the CIOs have done over the last 12 to 18 months. Um, and I, I think as you have good data, you can then move into things like AI, because AI consumes data, and it's you know like, like my old computer science professor told me like a thousand times, garbage in, garbage out, right? If you don't have good data, the analytical tools you're, you're building just aren't gonna give you the answer. And the last thing that I think is really innovative is for the first time ever, the DOD CIO is gonna have a unified view of what's going on on the endpoints in their environment. Um, there are projects afoot to do that, it's been piloted. Um, to my knowledge, that's never happened before in the DOD to have a timely, accurate view across services. That's, that's amazing, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, being involved with several of these departments and sort of rolling up that <clears throat> dashboard, if you will, uh, just amazing the situational awareness that you can get once you start start to see that. And of course, you know, if you're looking at that at a department level, you can certainly look at that from a, a service level as well, which is an advantage to everyone. Uh, Aubrey, uh, tell us what's happening at Semantic. You guys are out there working across this community, both in the commercial sector in the uh, in the federal sector and certainly in this uh, in this uh, DOD sector, uh, tell us what you're seeing out there and uh, how these programs are going. So I think from the standpoint of the uh, the progress on the on the federal government, I think there's a lot of progress that's being made. And you know, it's interesting to hear the panel discuss all the approaches that they're taking to you know, get to that that you know high line of a uh, baseline security to be able to to protect our our infrastructure. Quite frankly. So at Symantec, from our standpoint, you know, we're spending a lot, of, a lot of dollars in research and analytics around machine learning and artificial intelligence and applying that to you know, a, a number of different interfaces, if you will. And I think about that from the standpoint of what is it that we can learn from the endpoint? What can we learn on the network? What can we learn from messaging? And when I, when I talk about endpoints, I don't want to just think about it as the traditional kind of legacy endpoint. We need to think about that as next-gen endpoints. And, Absolutely, we need to think about those as cloud endpoints as you, you know, make that migration into the cloud. And when we look at the, the challenge that we face, I think it's a question of being able to better, under, better help the cyber, the computer network defender understand where to hunt, number one, uh, show them what's interesting. I think AI will go a long way to doing that. However, I think that you know, we need to keep in mind that we need to look at this as a, I'll say a many dimensional challenge in that, yes, we need to understand who's doing what on the network, but we also need to understand with what. So from a device standpoint, how are they accessing the network? Are there vulnerabilities that are associated with that device? What are they accessing from an application standpoint? What data are they accessing within that application, and do they have you know, the proper credentials to do so? And kind of moving forward, being able to tie all those things together with some you know, standard approach to threat analytics, malware detection, and what have you, to be able to understand fully what that operational environment is. So when we think about how we want to solve the problem or want to assist in, in solving the problem of cybersecurity within the government, really we're looking at a number of different areas. So being able to have the good data to begin with, and then being able to layer the artificial intelligence above you know, proper data with all those dimensions is going to give us better insights and better allow us to you know, take an orchestrated approach, utilize orchestration uh, sure. better. 
uh, so that we can we can actually that who affect. that who what and why is is really important and it, you know we all talked about endpoints and now we're really talking about almost like entry points right, right. Uh, as as we look at sort of this this uh, this environment that is kind of gray and mushy and and is moving and changing. Uh, Brigadier General Buckner, let's talk about priorities. We're right at the beginning of 2019. Tell us about your priorities for this year. What are you going to focus your attention on? Well, I liked that the theme of this panel emerging has been the way that the department is able to take advantage of um, some of the innovation and solutions that are being applied across the private sector. Uh, so the idea that we can optimize those on Army networks, on defense networks, um, so that, again, we focus our talent and efforts towards those things that the Army uniquely does, mm. shared access and communications across, and certainly in austere conditions that um, our forces will face. So that's, I think, the first piece, and we have a network cross-functional team that is dedicated to both the enterprise and our tactical networks. Um, the second thing is, um, in terms of our force, I think we've made tremendous gains in the last four to five years um, in terms of our cyber force. And so now we apply those lessons learned um, to bring cyber electronic warfare information operations um, to every echelon of the Army. We are providing realistic training, the, replicating the cyber environment at all of our training centers so that our forces are training in the conditions in which we will expect them to fight. Uh, and so that, uh, certainly we just did our last uh, National Training Center rotation this month out at Fort Irwin, uh, and it's the most sophisticated environment and adversary we've ever done. And our, our goal this year is that we don't have special cyber rotations, that every rotation is a cyber rotation. Um, and then third, again, we continue to grow out our training capacity at Fort Gordon, Georgia. That's the future home of Army Cyber Command headquarters. We have our school there. We have our operational forces we're, that we partner with the National Security Agency and Cyber Command there. Uh, and so that uh, our throughput has gone from a few soldiers in the first year uh, to a couple hundred. Now we are in the thousands. Uh, and that's not just military, but also civilian training. We take advantage of operational force and platforms that are located at that facility. So um, we are, we are um, producing, we are training on a, on a more industrial scale at this point. All of our accession and training and education systems come online this year. Uh, right. You want to train for the environment you're in, not train for the environment you wish you were in, right? Uh, John, how about at Palo Alto? Can you give us sort of one priority uh, focused on for uh, 2019? Sure, Luke. Cloud. Uh, we, it, cloud is an enormous priority for us. And we've heard a lot of talk about government and military moving to cloud. Um, I think we should realize that uh, for the foreseeable future, we're going to be living in a hybrid environment, mm -hmm. part on-prem, part in cloud, part in multi-clouds. And that's the important thing to remember there is the shared responsibility. Cloud service providers are getting very good at securing the infrastructure, but the mission owner still has to secure their data and their application. So we're focused on making sure that we help uh, mission owners secure what goes into and comes out of the cloud, as well as data and applications in various things like uh, workloads and containers in the cloud environment. Ultimately, the, the agency has to sign that ATO, right? All right, well, we're going to wrap this segment up. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 
Prevent successful attacks. Focus on what matters. Automation is key. With a rich U.S. government heritage, Palo Alto Networks understands the needs of its U.S. government customers. Network to endpoint, GovCloud, and software as a service. Consume security innovation swiftly for all these environments. Palo Alto Network Security Operating Platform provides that prevention in as little as five minutes from the time a new threat is seen anywhere. For more on Palo Alto Network's Public Sector LLC, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Palo Alto Networks. Government agencies need to be prepared to address today's advanced persistent cyber attacks. By leveraging the power of integrated product intelligence, they can protect against advanced threats and safeguard information across every control point and attack vector. They also need a partner who sees it all, has it all, and makes it all work together. At Symantec, they call it integrated cyber defense. They'll call it the relief they've been waiting for. Symantec, cyber defense for the federal government. To learn more, visit Symantec.com. There is no such thing as a risk-free IT environment, and mission assurance is difficult when you don't have a handle on your IT security posture, can't be confident in your compliance levels, and can't control your operational costs. Tanium is a platform for IT management and security used by many of the largest civilian agencies and much of the Department of Defense. They focus on mission assurance, offering unprecedented levels of visibility and control, helping you make the right decisions. Visit them at Tanium.com and get started today. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. We were talking about cybersecurity, and with me on today's show is Don Heckman, Department of Defense, Brigadier General Buckner with U.S. Army, Rear Admiral Barrett with the Navy, Ralph Kahn with Tanium, John Davis at Palo Alto Networks, and Aubrey Merchant Desk with Semantic Federal. Well, we were talking about uh, priorities in 2019. Uh, Don, tell us what is the priority for the DOD in 2019? So um, you had previously mentioned some of uh, the CIO's kind of top priorities being uh, artificial intelligence, Mm -hmm. cloud, C3, cybersecurity. You know, we're going to continue to work really hard on, uh, we've established a joint uh, AI center, and that's up and running. The Jake, yeah. The Jake. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're looking at, uh, you know, expanding with our cloud activities. Uh, And then in cybersecurity, we have a cyber landscape uh, with some focus areas. And then the ones, you know, that we're actively or aggressively working in 19 are, uh, and I mentioned it before, the cyber workforce. uh, And ensuring we have, because people are, kind of our most important resource. Uh, Endpoint management, how do we do automated continuous uh, monitoring? How do we uh, do comply to connect? How do we automate uh, those activities? Um, I talked about identity, credential and access management, uh, and then secure DevOps, uh, which you've heard different people talk about. You know, so, so those are uh, some of the uh, major focus areas for us in uh, 19, along with uh, some of the other things like uh, encryption, security for weapon systems, uh, supply chain risk management, how do we protect our defense industrial base, um, all critical uh, to the overall cybersecurity posture for yeah, the department. Yeah, on the plate there, and as again, as this commercial community sort of moves its way into this defense industrial base, it's, uh, uh, if things get interesting from the cyber perspective. Uh, Ralph, how about over at Tanium, uh, what does 2019 look like for a focus for you all? So I think um, if I was to say there was a focus, I would say it's um, consolidation. And what I mean by that is 
the DOD has made tremendous gains, as I mentioned earlier, over the last 18 months in terms of improving process, getting better data, and reducing the time cycle. And as a result, that frees up a lot of, um, a lot of hours of, of manpower to do other things, right? And the one thing I hear consistently from our military customers is that um, there's always a need for more, you know, kind of uh, more hours and more effort in the mission, right? And IT is, and cyber are kind of support from a defensive perspective. And mm -hmm. so to the degree you can automate, orchestrate, improve practices and consolidate those to free up the hours to put more people uh, on the ships or on the flight line or uh, on, on tanks or whatever, doing the work they need to do, um, you've effectively you know, made yourself more, more secure, more cost effective, and improve the actual mission of the services at the same time. So if it was for me, I'd say consolidate the gains, take advantage of the, the improvements and the reductions in manpower, and, and then shift that elsewhere where there's a bigger need in the services. Yeah, really f uh, allow that the highly trained workforce to focus their, uh, their area up the value chain, so to speak. Uh, Rear Admiral Barrett, how about at the Navy? Uh, what does 2019 look for look like for you all? I know you've got a lot on your plate in regards to priorities. What do you want to accomplish in 2019? Yeah, so um, for us, we you know we have to look at uh, people, process, and technology. This is not just a technology issue. Technology, because we're in a world of exponentially accelerating and converging technology, is forcing us to um, reconsider, we have to go back and scratch the itch on every single process we have. And so if I give an example, the technology of moving to the cloud brings with it inherent um, uncertainty about how you command and control your information in the cloud. In the past, we have used our Doden or our military networks in a physical mindset. Uh, now your information, wherever it is, that is the Doden, that is your network. It may be on a DIB partners network. It may be in the commercial cloud. And how do you command and control that information? Um, so that has required us to spend, we spent about a year defining what those concepts of operations are, what those procedures are, and building them, we're building them into every standard contract we have for cloud, for example. But it forces folks to take a step back and look at, you know, we're a big bureaucracy. We have a lot of processes that move like a glacier on Ritalin, right? And, you know, they are not helpful in an internet age, in an age of accelerating technology. So if we want to get to the point where we can be agile and rapid, we're focusing a lot on, okay, what processes do we need to go after? And that includes things for, um, you know, cybersecurity improvements on things like weapon systems and control systems, not just traditional IT networks. Yeah, and I know this is, you know, I mean, I think we all go through this process mirage of, uh, you know, trying to wrestle that to the ground. I and mean, we got to the point where we were really looking at, let's just start at zero. Let's start at no processes and right. only add what we need rather than take something that's, you know, yep. uh, 1,400 pages long and try to trim it down and tailor it, so to speak. Uh, Audrey, how about at uh, Semantic? Uh, what does 2019 look like for you all in regards to a focused area, particularly for this community? So I'd say the number one thing that, that we are enabling or that we're going to be focusing on is, is how, to, how to redefine the boundary. I think most of us would consider nowadays that trying to defend our networks with perimeter capabilities is, really hasn't worked uh, tremendously well uh, in some cases. However, uh, the data needs to, be, needs to be interacted with, and we need to figure out a way to control access to that data regardless of where it resides, right? So from our standpoint, we're really focusing on how do we take uh, the boundary to the data, and that's something that Symantec is, is really quite focused on. So right behind that, certainly we think about, you know, 
cloud and, and certainly from a hybrid standpoint, as John called out, being able to have visibility, intelligence, and context, right, into what's happening in your cloud environments, regardless if they reside in a commercial cloud, within mill cloud, if you're utilizing uh, other applications, maybe legacy cloud that's being stood up in a private environment, what have you, you really need sort of getting back to that AI uh, discussion, you got to have a full view of how users and devices and applications are being interacted. And you need to have a, a, some level of control to make sure that your data is secure while it's at rest, in transit, and in use. So when you think about all of those aspects, I mean, this is what Symantec is really kind of working on, and that goes beyond the DOD, it goes to sort of what the next generation of our trusted internet connection would look sure. like from a civilian standpoint, mm -hmm. and it, it extends in, in all directions. Uh. Being able to potentially uh, have that capability to access data securely, even if they're not utilizing government furnished equipment. Right, so. and that's just the real world that we're living in. That's right. uh, uh, so I always liked, I love this question because I uh, look at these thought leaders here and the work that you all are doing, the companies that you represent, and the, uh, and the uh, services that you represent. Lessons learned for the community. John, let's start with you at Palo Alto. You guys see a lot of stuff out there, right? You see some of these dynamics sort of repeat themselves. What are some lessons learned that you can, you can offer to the community as they embark on this journey to you know, protect the nation? Sure, Luke, and this may sound a little basic, but I think it's really important. We've learned an awful lot about the cyber adversary and how it operates. And um, this knowledge provides the, the, the defender with an advantage if they can do things right. The way the cyber adversary operates, it goes by many names, kill chain, life cycle, I just call it steps in the attack process. We all are familiar with them, reconnaissance, delivery, exploitation, insulation of code, com uh, control channel, escalating privileged access, lateral movement. You got to work through all of that before you can conduct a successful attack. Doesn't matter what kind of adversary you are, nation state or otherwise. Knowing that provides the opportunity for the defender to flip the equation and say, instead of the defender having to be right everywhere all the time, now the attacker's got to be right at every one of those attack process steps to be successful and the defender only needs to see and stop the threat at any one point along that chain. The, that's the good news. The bad news is adversary still has an advantage because they are getting very sophisticated in terms of leveraging automation and software-based approaches that enable them to move at speed and at scale. And the defenders are still, sadly, largely reliant on people, human decision-making, and manual responses. So when I said earlier, we need to bring software to a software fight, right. we've been bringing a knife to a gunfight, and we need to change that approach and begin to leverage automation, advanced analytics, software-based approaches to flip that equation. Right, that AI is a great uh, you know, force multiplier, if you will, in regards to defense. It's also, you know, can be used against us, uh, which is, uh, which is a, an emerging dynamic, right? Uh, Don, how about at DOD, at the department level, uh, what do you see in regards to lessons learned that you'd like to communicate to this community? Yeah, I think, um, you know, some of the lessons learned, um, it's a whole government approach. Um, we need to, it's a team sport. We all need to be working together. We talked about um, how there's great collaboration now between the CIO and the services. Uh, and so um, I think that's a, um, a lesson learned. Uh, I think, you know, uh, talking about people, people, technology, and operations, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, successful attacks still um, 
you know, it comes down to people making uh, poor decisions, right? Phishing attacks are still very effective, right? Uh, or, you know, you think about um, the, probably the second most common thing is uh, software and systems not patched and up to date, right? And so every day, uh, every day, right? Uh, and so we see that as we as we go through some of these events, right? You know, uh, and so I think uh, lessons learned, as as John said, right? How do we one uh, create this culture of security? Security is everybody's responsibility. Uh, knowing what what to do, what not to do, uh, and then uh, how do we uh, automate? Uh, again, I agree. You know, uh, you know things are happening so fast. Uh, we really need to take advantage of automation for a variety of things. You know, the the artificial intelligence, uh, and then uh, responses uh, with humans over the loop versus uh, you know in in the loop slowing it down. So or under the loop. Or under right. the loop. Yeah. Ralph, how about at Tanium? Uh, what, what is a uh, what is a set of lessons learned that you'd like to impart on the uh, on this community? Look like uh, you guys are in a lot of the uh, a lot of these services, very embedded into these services. So I think um, one of the things that I've seen over the last couple of years is the lessons learned is I, I think the DoD has has discovered that there's no silver bullet, right? That prevention is frankly uh, like prevention from the, the initial point of an attack is a is kind of a little bit of a red herring and it's been chased for a long time, kind of the silver penny thing. And really moving, the DOD is moving in the direction of resilience and I'd encourage that. And, and to me, resilience is the ability to reduce the noise to the point where you can see the signal faster, you can react to the signal faster and you can mitigate any damage done before it happens. I think that it, it's axiomatic that our Adversaries have a tremendous amount of resource, and given the technology and process we have in place today, I think we're going to get hit. I think the trick is how fast do we see it, and how fast can we respond to it, and how can we minimize the impact on operations. At the end of the day, cyber defense is there to ensure that the, the mission and the operations aren't impacted, right? And, and that's where we ought to be looking, right? We ought to be able to hunt more effectively and be more resilient from those operations, and that's where I think a lot of the activity is going with respect to artificial intelligence and with respect to improving um, the speed and, and completion of patching compliance, all of that reduces the noise so you can see the signal faster. So moving towards more of approach of resilience and minimizing the impact on the mission. Right, getting that clutter out of the way so you can focus on the prize. Um, Rear Admiral Barrett, how about over at the Navy? Um, uh, lessons learned in regards to, you know, as you've embarked on this journey. Well, like I said, the compile to combat addressing the modernization of the lowest layers of the network so that you can have the infrastructure in place to put these advanced tools on that you need and to do the advanced things with data and analytics that we're going to need to do with AI and machine learning because humans are not going to catch the nuanced adversary, the sophisticated adversary. Only machines are going to be able to do that. And frankly, um, you know, as we move forward, you know, it's a great leveler for any adversary to go to the Internet off the dark web and buy a tool that Coco the monkey could use nowadays and cause us causes, you know, a lot of uh, churn, right? Sure. Um, and part of the piece that we need to consider, though, is the operational tail end, like these guys were talking about, too. It's not enough from a cyber tail end. It's the operational impact to the operator. So, for example, if, if my no-fail mission is ballistic missile defense, 
how am I going to operate if I don't have my network for two days a week, a month? That could be a possibility. That could be a real possibility for somebody, right? So we have to have operators and the end users, the, um, the folks that have to execute that mission, have their plans in place so that while we have a resilient network, if it doesn't work, right, if we do have a problem, what are they going to do to continue that mission with what's left of that network? or what's left for them to use as a capability. And that involves all the way to the tail end, whether it's in your business, you know, how are you gonna operate your business if, if Tanium's network goes down at their corporate headquarters for a week? Well, what does that mean? Do you go back to spreadsheets? I don't know. But it, it may be, and that answer may be awful, but it is what it is right now, and you have to deal with what reality is and then what you need to put in place to make that situation better. So it's not just enough about building the right network because a capable adversary is always gonna be you, know, it's, you don't wish away an enemy capability is what we say in planning, right? The capable adversary is always going to be challenging you at every step. So you have to assume they're going to be as sophisticated as uh, you can be creative to think they can be. Yeah, and, uh, and also, of course, not creating your own denial of service attack, right, as you're trying to layer this stuff in. Aubrey, how about at uh, Symantec? What's, a, what's a, a good lesson learned that you can impart uh, across this community? So I guess I'd have to say that uh, I think we need to and I think we're, we're on our way there, but we need to rethink what a signature looks like from a cyber defense standpoint. And kind of getting back to how we used to protect our networks with all this hardware at the, at the edge, mm -hmm. you know, thinking that we were secure, keep the good stuff in, the bad stuff out, hasn't been working. So when we go back to thinking about the multidimensional aspect of cyber defense nowadays, we really need to think about signatures and what am I seeing in the cloud? What am I seeing in my legacy environment? What am I seeing in my tactical environment? How do I tie all those things together in a meaningful way so that my cyber defenders will have an opportunity maybe to, to get some sort of early warning? The point you made about increasing the, uh, the signal versus the noise, I think that's exactly right. Uh, so AI is gonna help get us there, but I do think that we're, we're absolutely gonna have to keep humans on the loop because uh, even though uh, we will find ourselves, I think, very dependent on AI moving forward, we need to make sure that we understand the decisions that the artificial intelligence and the automation and you know, the, the effectiveness of that is not masking any potential activity that might be interesting. Need Frankly, to keep I, the humans on the loop. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just to that point, I think the work that's being done over at Hopkins with the IACD efforts that are being driven by DHS and NSA uh, around automation and, and orchestration, I think, is, is really excellent work. And, and we're supporting that effort. Absolutely. Brigadier General how, uh, Buckner, how about uh, at the Army in regards to lessons learned? You guys are, have a, pro, a very broad swath of activity going on over there. I'm sure you have a lot of lessons learned you'd like to share. I will, add, a couple of. I will add two. Yes. Uh, first, to uh, some of the points here, compliance is not defense. Uh, and I think taking advantage of... Say that uh, again, would you, for yes, the audience? Compliance, compliance is not, is not defense. <laughs> compliance is not defense. And yes. to Ralph's point, you that you know, annual cyber readiness inspections certainly aren't going to be effective. And I think we are evolving to the point of... Important, um, but not the end game. It, exactly. And so the idea that uh, taking advantage of tools to always understand the state of our networks... Uh, and I think to Aubrey's point as well, that we have vulnerability assessments, we have, um, we, we have a number of means of understanding that, but in the end we want to optimize our forces for hunt activities on our networks, and that gets to General Davis's point on, on the importance of understanding our adversary. Uh, the second point is processes, uh, that even the perfect processes, if not done in a timely manner, will disadvantage us, certainly in this space. Uh, and so I think we are learning a lot of lessons about how we characterize risk, 
Uh, I think we take some lessons from business in terms of characterizing that risk, but certainly making everyone understand the operational risks associated with uh, you know, the, the, time, uh, the time that it takes to do risk management framework, authority to operate, authority to connect, and some of our acquisition processes. Uh, so that's, that's certainly been a challenge and we're, we're iterating on that. I would just add to, um, certainly a priority for our military is also uh, operating in denied and degraded communications environments. So that is certainly a priority for our forces um, from a lessons learned taking advantage of what we're seeing and, uh, and replicating that now. I think that risk element is really important, right? Every decision we make has to be balanced with the risk associated to it, right? That's just the reality of it. All right, fascinating conversation. Uh, we've talked about uh, lessons learned. We've talked about priorities. We're going to talk about challenges next, but we're going to take a short break. You're listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Government agencies need to be prepared to address today's advanced persistent cyber attacks. By leveraging the power of integrated product intelligence, they can protect against advanced threats and safeguard information across every control point and attack vector. They also need a partner who sees it all, has it all, and makes it all work together. At Symantec, they call it integrated cyber defense. They'll call it the relief they've been waiting for. Symantec, cyber defense for the federal government. To learn more, visit Symantec.com. Prevent successful attacks. Focus on what matters. Automation is key. With a rich U.S. government heritage, Palo Alto Networks understands the needs of its U.S. government customers. Network to endpoint, GovCloud, and software as a service. Consume security innovation swiftly for all these environments. Palo Alto Network Security Operating Platform provides that prevention in as little as five minutes from the time a new threat is seen, anywhere. For more on Palo Alto Network's Public Sector LLC, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search Palo Alto Networks. There is no such thing as a risk-free IT environment, and mission assurance is difficult when you don't have a handle on your IT security posture, can't be confident in your compliance levels, and can't control your operational costs. Tanium is a platform for IT management and security used by many of the largest civilian agencies and much of the Department of Defense. They focus on mission assurance, offering unprecedented levels of visibility and control, helping you make the right decisions. Visit them at Tanium.com and get started today. Welcome back to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. With me on today's show are Don Heckman, uh, Department of Defense, Brigadier General Buckner, U.S. Army, Rear Admiral Barrett, Navy, Ralph Kahn, Tanium, John Davis, Palo Alto, and Aubrey from Semantic federal and we're talking about cybersecurity strategies and we were talking about or going to be talking about the most difficult challenges let's start with you rear admiral barrett at the navy you've got a lot of activity going on out there tell us about uh, some of the challenges that you all are facing out there your most difficult ones i think the biggest challenge we have is speed um, it's speed at which the adversary and capabilities that can affect our networks is advancing and speed at our ability to keep ahead of that. Um, you know, our, a lot of our processes, like I talked about, were built for industrial age. They're built for building a ship that you're going to have for 30 years. It's going to take you 10 well. years, which we do great. Yep. Um, we're still going to continue to do. But right. uh, those processes, those um, ways of doing business, that mindset is not agile enough to, to operate in a cyber world. 
And because cyber affects everything, combat system, weapon system, control system, networks, everything, um, we need a cultural different mindset where everybody is willing to shed the legacy whatever and redesign to move faster. We need to move faster and deliberately, and we're going to accept more risk when we do that. We have to be willing to accept more risk. You know, right now we kind of maybe want 99%. No, no. Right. We maybe have to live with. Yeah, we may right. have to live with 60, but then we have to really understand our risk and communicate that to operators because those are the guys who are assuming the risk. It's not the cyber nerd protecting the network. It's the guy whose mission is impacted by that not working. So um, there's different mindsets for how we have to do risk and in a very fast moving environment. And I think that's the biggest challenge for the whole department, frankly. Um, uh, these are all about risk-based decisions, right? And be able to react to you know these elements as they come at us uh, at light speed. Brigadier General Buckner, how about at the Army? What's uh, sort of the, the top challenges there? I would highlight the inflection point we're at this year, just in terms of understanding that risk and optimizing our investments. Enough to, um, so our legacy infrastructure continues to support the forces we have and the camp spaces, stations, installations we support, but really building towards what we want in the future, what we need in the future. And so understanding the risks that we take by, um, by pushing our, um, our dollars to invest in our network of the future that's, I think, the, a really critical point we're at here in the Army and across the department. Really balancing that risk and focusing on your most highest priorities, right? And that's where you're going to put your attention in regards to your investments. Uh, Don, how about at uh, DOD? What is the uh, biggest challenge that you guys are seeing in regards to the, the cyber um, fabric? I agree with uh, everything that was said by uh, Admiral Barrett and General Buckner. Uh, in addition to that, I think one of the biggest challenges we're, we're looking at now is our supply chain and supply chain risk management. And, and in supply chain, I put uh, our defense industrial base partners, our critical infrastructure, and, and really how do, we, how do we get after that in an era of globalization and um, global markets, right? So everything is not made in the U.S. anymore, uh, and, and so we have to figure out how do we uh, minimize that risk? Uh, and one way I think we do that is, um, and you'll hear the concept of zero trust network, but you know, how do we actually uh, instrument the network to look for normal and then look for abnormal behavior, right? And so I think that's where automation and AI will help us, right? So uh, given the environment we're in, get, we're, we're gonna do things, uh, we stood up a protecting critical technology task force. They're looking at a holistic approach um, to how do we protect our uh, critical technologies that are used in our weapon systems. Um, and uh, we've got some new authorities to, to deal with supply chain, but I think ultimately uh, what we have to do is uh, take advantage of automation, knock down the noise, instrument the network, determine what's normal, and look for abnormal behavior. Right, and uh, you know the, uh, the that sort of that concept of commercialization of the defense industrial base as that technology starts to move closer and closer, that becomes a real real challenge. John, how about at Palo Alto Networks? Uh, what what are the challenges that you guys are seeing out there in the uh, in this community? I think one of our most precious resources is our biggest challenge, and that's mm -hmm. people. Um, and I believe that. Uh, 
based on what I said earlier about the nature of the threat, mm -hmm. I think we're never going to have enough people to solve this problem. We're going to have to leverage technology in a way that enables us to use our people in a much smarter way. And I, I'm, I, you know, I believe that that smarter way is to leverage technology, leverage software, to fight software, and use people for what only people can do better than machines at this point in time, and that's in hunting, that's in response, that's in recovery type efforts. Sure, um, uh, it's all about the people. Well, we've got about 12 minutes left, and we're gonna wrap it up with painting a picture of the future. Gonna give everyone just a couple of short minutes. Audrey, let's start with you. What does the future look like in regards to uh, semantic? What can, we, uh, what can we look forward to? So, you know, it's interesting to, to kind of consider where we are at this point in time in cybersecurity, because I've been supporting the, the government, the DOD, for quite some time now. And I think about it in reference to kind of some basic things that we've done in the past. If you think about Bell Lapadula, you know, this whole notion of uh, read up but no write down, and what we have done with, with guards, you know, from secret networks to non-secret networks and so forth. I really think the future of cybersecurity is one that's going to enable us to securely transport data at the right time to the right machine, to the right individual, and operate in austere environments as well. So what that future would look like potentially is being able to, first of all, understand what's on your network and what data is critical, being able to prioritize it across the network, and then being able to wrap the needed security controls around it to properly manage the risk that might be associated with transporting that, that, that data. So it's really all about pushing the boundary to the data. Pushing the boundary to the data. Ralph, how about Atanium? What does the future look like? So um, I'll go back to the resilience comment I made earlier. And, um, you know, so one of the, as you look through and kind of move through a resilience life cycle, if you will, you move from being able to see the adversary quickly to being able to do something about the adversary quickly to being able to minimize the impact on the mission, right? And so my, my view of the future is the DOD continues to move along that life cycle. It's made a lot of progress on the, um, you know, kind of getting good data and seeing the adversary quickly and beginning to see it more quickly. And, and as Admiral Barrett and General Buckner mentioned, now the processes have to adapt so that you can begin to take action. You know what you're gonna do, you put the right processes and people in place to be able to take action to foil the adversary quickly and remediate and keep the mission running. Fantastic. Uh, Rear Admiral Barrett, what does the future look like when you look out above the horizon, so to speak? Yeah, so um, like I said, I think uh, technology and accelerating technology is going to impact that tremendously. And so we need to make sure we have the end-to-end -end view of what we want that fundamental architecture to look like so that you can plug and play any kind of new technology that comes in very quickly and that you stick to open standards and those kind of things. When you think about, for example, even on the platform level, we're going to have thousands of unmanned autonomous vehicles in the future, Internet of Things, those kind of things. You know, we should now be planning for how are we going to integrate those to our operational advantage, not just in a cyber defense role, but how are we going to use those, you know, for, for our own operational advantage. And so I think keeping abreast of what is happening with technology at speed and being able to have a platform to quickly plug and play those that's where we need to be looking for the future. Um, that uh, embedded technology seems like it's going to be a real, uh, a real challenge as well in regards to the software embed and the artificial intelligence, right? I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, not even in platforms, but in humans. You know, when I start chipping sailors, 
you know, and I'm wow. getting their medical data. That's, I mean, seriously, think you think about this. Here. Well, I'm just saying, you know, this is this is what's going to happen. Right? Everything sure. is going to be connected, including the human, you know, singularity, right? Um, and that sounds like crazy, but, you know, 15 years ago, AI was snake oil. It's not today. You know, 10 years from now, singularity is not going to be snake oil. You know, so all I'm saying is we have to be forward thinking about what those opportunities are as well as the defensive piece of what those challenges will be to our information exchange. I'm ready to the, a, adopt and embrace that. John, how about at Palo Alto? What does the future look like? What are you guys cooking up over there in the Petri dish that we can look forward to? Some of you may scoff at me, but I'm actually optimistic about the future. And I'll go back to a comment that uh, Ralph well, made. Well, so are we. <laughs> Come on. I'll go back to a comment that Ralph made earlier about prevention. And I have a different perspective on that. I believe that 80 to 90% of what we're seeing today, 80, per 80 to 90% of the successful attacks that we see today are preventable if you leverage people, processes, and technology in ways that we have not been doing before. We've been largely- Particularly automation. Largely right? throwing mm -hmm. people at, at an automated fight. Right. And so I believe that as we begin to leverage software-based advanced analytics and automation in ways that we have not before, I think that we can pick up the, the percentage of being able to stop the adversary before they're successful in those attacks. And then we can better leverage our people for doing things that we ought to be spending money on people to do things people are better than machines at. And that's where we ought to be prioritizing our, our resource efforts and people. Right now, it's the opposite. We're spending 80% of our O&M across the, I believe the federal government is spent on, you know, it, it's, it's O&M, it's people. And that takes away from being able to invest in the type of advanced capabilities that are available today in industry that I think federal government could take advantage of. And it's very expensive, right, to, to train those people, to, 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 to you know, house those people, et cetera, et cetera. Somebody was talking about robotics process automation the other day, and they said, yeah, it's, a, it's really think about it, about you really taking the robot out of the human, right? That's really what you're trying to do there, which I thought was a, a fascinating way of looking at that. Uh, Brigadier General Buckner, how about at the Army? What does the future look like? What does the future soldier look like? What does that future environment look like? Well, I, I think we're, we understand that the future of warfare is directly tied to the future of cyber and cybersecurity. And the future requires a, a force and certainly an Army that is equipped with advanced weapon systems, capabilities, platforms, can operate in large-scale formations against advanced threats. But then we know that we quickly have to transition to a degraded and denied and austere communications environment and be able to operate in small teams who are likely disconnected from any kind of communications. And so, you know, those one or two person teams um, are our way of fighting. That is a pretty wide breadth of capability and force. Uh, and so that's, that's, that's what we're preparing for. Um, yeah, it's, it's almost like you have this uh, autonomous kind of environment, right, in these, uh, these little microcell capabilities out there that need to be fully capable uh, in this sort of new advanced environment. Uh, Don, how does, uh, how does the, uh, the future look in regards to DOD? Paint a picture. You know, we're in the cloud. You've got your commercial cloud now. You're using AI. Uh, you know, uh, the services are, are plugged in. What can we expect to see over the, uh, over the horizon, so to speak? And we're not talking about 10 years, we're talking about three years here, right? Yeah, so um, again, I, I think 
you know, the whole concept of uh, resiliency, uh, data-centric, uh, centricity, uh, moving away from some of our past practices where we tried to basically build fences and moats using boundary and firewall devices, assuming we're going to have to fight through a contested environment. And then, uh, you know, cyber sense making uh, at speed, right? Actionable machine intelligence so that we can uh, detect and deter you know, advanced adversarial actors um, utilizing technology so that our warfighters and engineers can focus on strategic analysis and response. I think that's really the, where we want to be in the future. Well, let me, uh, I'll throw a, a different uh, one out here at the risk of, uh, you know, rolling a grenade across the table here. Uh, one of the areas that, you know, we talked about sort of the, the technology, we talked about sort of burning down these processes and redefining them and certainly talked about the people and training it. How about sort of the whole procurement thing? You know, how is that, how's that, uh, as you guys sort of look at how you're working through that and, uh, uh, you know, some of the advanced capability that you all are doing in the services, is that working for you? Is there more that you could do? Is there stuff you guys are want to talk about in regards to maybe even the lessons learned or things that I see some of the things going on in DOD that, uh, you know, the civilian government is just not, you know, not there right now. Think about OTAs, et cetera. Any comments? Anyone want to take a crack at that? Uh, General Buckner, do you want to take a crack at that? Anything in the procurement area that uh, from, a, you know, just, a, and, and not so much cyber defense, but just being able to acquire these goods and services so that you can get, do good cyber defense. I think we are trying to use many of the new tools available to us. I think you are uh, using Whether them, that's yeah. through the Strategic Capabilities Office, our, our Service Rapid Capability Offices, use of an IT box for acquisition, which really allows us to make decisions at the right level. Uh, if you know, they fit within a, a, a fiscal constraint or a, um, a mission constraint. Uh, and new acquisition authorities, rapid uh, prototyping, and then quickly transitioning to programs of record. So I think all of those are now at our disposal, and it's really up to us to take advantage, to take to test the system and take advantage of that. And I think some of our cyber and certainly our electronic warfare capabilities really allow are the perfect um, experiments to to pilot these uh, new authorities. Fantastic, uh, Rear Admiral Barrett. Any uh, thoughts on that in regards to? the types of capabilities that you guys are using to get to some of these advanced techniques that you want to use? I think one of the biggest one is it's a people thing. It's partnership with industry and academia and the research organizations right. to make sure we understand what's next next. You know, is it free space optics? Is it Li-Fi? Is it what's the next next? And then we as the IT nerds, if you will, right, take that and translate that into an operational capability to warfighters, understanding how that that they can think of a new process that will improve operations or warfighting. And so it's really important to understand what the art of the possible is from industry and then translate that into a, an operational capability that would give us an advantage. Well, I'll tell you that uh, this is a fascinating subject. We could speak all day about it, but uh, we don't have all day. Uh, but first of all, I wanted to thank all of you for your service both the folks that are currently in the service and the folks former in the service. And I'd like to thank the guests that uh, just your busy schedules and to be able to join us on this rainy early part of the calendar year. Uh, I'd also like to thank the sponsors for which we don't have a show. I'd like to thank the good people here at Federal News Radio that make our program so successful and enjoyable. And most of all, I'd like to thank the, the listening audience that tune in every month. You've been listening to the Federal Executive Forum on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Thank you for listening to the 2019 Federal Executive Forum Series on Federal News Network, proudly celebrating 14 years. 
This show was produced by the Treza Media Group. If you missed any portion of this show, you can listen in its entirety and on demand at federalnewsnetwork.com.